0: dale talked as much or more about josh than he did about chase that night and basically it was it was like he was all but pleading for a company to get aligned with josh berry and because and, and, he was saying this guy is good this guy's got the good
1: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 116 of Let's Go Racing, Tyler Jones here with you, so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by NBC Sports writer Dustin Long is here to uh, tell us about what's uh, going on with NBC Sports, taking over their portion of the NASCAR schedule, and we'll get to know Dustin, get his take on some of the big headlines going on across the sport. We'll have our News and Notes segment coming up later, our Ask David segment as well, at the end of the show. Dominic Arlogon is here, as well as a John Haverland in for a David Star this week. Uh, Dom, we'll uh, start with you. An off week, the only off week of the entire year for the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, how did you enjoy your, your off week, my guy?
2: Man, it was a lot of fun. Last year, we knew, my wife and I were expecting, and it was really exciting. But it was just hit different this year, Tyler. Actually being able to, to celebrate the third Sunday in June, as father's day and I've, I've always enjoyed honoring my dad and my grandfather and the people in our family and our families grown now and it's really cool it was a really cool holiday man just so cool to just hold christopher all day I'm like wow this is this is neat this is different now i'm i'm on the other side of it if you will Where i was always looking forward to spending father's day with my dad and i still do but even more so with my son now man yeah that's
1: great uh john haverland joins us now as well John, uh, first off, uh, I don't know who invited you here, but welcome. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, but as we gear up now this second half of the season, Father's Day weekend here in the books, uh, we're, we're really going to figure out who the, these teams are now. Like, it's it's time to kick it into another gear as we get in the second half. What are your kind of expectations for the second half of the NASCAR season here?
3: Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me again. Dom called me, I guess, about 45 minutes and – there's like this running joke that I'm like the Josh Berry of the show because I seem to be the super sub. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, he's a little more talented and rich and famous than me. Um, but <laughs> that's um, a good tease for later on Josh Berry, by the yeah. way. Um, I'm looking forward to the second half of the season. Um, I didn't think the first half was very bad, um, it had its ups and downs. Uh, definitely the Chicago race. I'm looking forward to that. I know Tyler, I'm, I'm gonna see you there. Uh, I'm not sure if Dustin or Dom are going to be there, but, um, yeah, it's another – entering another summer of NASCAR, so, you know, how am I supposed to complain about
1: that, right? Right. Oh, no question about it. Dominic, uh, our next guest that uh, joins us this week, uh, he's been around the sport for a long time, uh, covering NASCAR, uh, most recently with NBC Sports, but was previously with MRN uh, when – When you think about uh, riders covering the sport, uh, this guy comes up uh, on the top of the list.
2: Oh, definitely. And somebody that knows and just has his depth and knowledge of the sport. Dustin, and I've known him about nine years, Tyler. And I can tell you, every time you talk to this man at the racetrack or away from the racetrack, he's always willing to lend a helping hand or just his knowledge on the sport and hailing from the great state of Indiana. You can tell you, we've had some great conversations over the years. I'm really excited that he's joining us this week on Let's Go Racing. And Tyler, what better than to have a guest with NBC Sports as NBC takes over the NASCAR television coverage for the sport. Dustin, thanks so much for joining us this week on Let's Go Racing.
0: Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity. Looking forward to uh, the be- you know the beginning of the-, the NBC portion of the schedule. I know a lot of us are are really excited in what we're going to be able to present to the fans, and really looking forward to these these next twenty uh, consecutive weekends of racing. But uh, you know, a lot of things in in place, and uh, looking forward to it with the uh, Nashville this weekend on NBC, and then following up with the Chicago Street Course race on NBC.
2: So we know you cover the sport year round. You're at the racetrack virtually every week. But now, as NBC takes that shift in the second half of the year, how much changes for you, or is it just business as usual like it is year round? No, it's a little bit more
0: work just because uh, now we've got the all the broadcast team uh, at the track with 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 me because I've been I think I've done about 10, 11 races so far at the beginning of this season. So now it's also. You know, doing things and feeding our broadcasters. If there's things that happen in the media center, since they're not there, since they're on air, or they're elsewhere broadcasting, or doing things and trying to find their own stories to portray and tell on on the broadcast, uh, whether it's practice and qualifying, or the race, or or pre race, post race, anything like that. So. Uh, There's still a lot more things and and certainly feeding them a lot more information or anything that I hear and make sure that it gets passed along so some of the stuff gets gets on the air some of it doesn't some of it it just kind of helps with general knowledge for them. So that when they go talk to particular people in the garage uh, in the morning or something, it gives them a a conversation point or something they can delve a little bit more into and then give the fan even a more full uh, complete story uh, on the broadcast.
1: That's fantastic. Uh Dustin, uh, certainly looking forward to NBC's portion. Uh you guys do an incredible job, uh both not only uh covering the races themselves, but the digital work that you guys do and everything too um as a whole. Let me, let me ask you this before we kind of talk about the the season at hand and look ahead to this run to the playoffs and everything here, just your background and all you've been with NBC a while now. Tell us uh your backstory. How how'd you end up uh covering NASCAR to, to where you are now?
0: Well, it started off, uh, I was uh, covering uh, stuff in uh, out, of, out of college in Idaho. So I got about as far away from uh, racing as I could, I guess, in one sense after college. But even before then, uh, I knew I wanted to be a sports writer at an early age. I had an uncle who was a sports writer for like 36 years at the Miami Herald, covered the Dolphins at one point, covered Florida State football in their heydays, covered a lot of auto racing. Um, between the two of us, my uncle and I, Gary Long, uh we kind of figured out i think we've covered every daytona 500 i want to say since 1970 except for one so um it's it's quite a streak uh, for the for the long family and something we're proud of um you know had the opportunity to cover the indianapolis 500 when i was younger in high school and college age and and really enjoyed that experience uh, my dad was a, a amateur racer in scca when i was really young and and um you know, he used to take me to uh, dirt track races in, in, in Indiana and go see the Silver Crown, USAC Silver Crown Sprint Cars Midgets, go see him at Terre Haute, uh, to, uh, Kokomo, uh, the paved track at IRP, and, and a bunch of other places in, in Indiana. So just kind of always had that interest in, in auto racing. And then, um, you know, kind of took a different path out of college. First job out of college was in a small newspaper in, in Idaho. And then from there, went uh, was there four years to Idaho, to a newspaper outside of Baltimore uh, in Maryland. And then from there to Greensboro, North Carolina, there was it a year and a half and then got onto the NASCAR beat covering it for landmark newspapers, which was Greensboro, North Carolina, Roanoke, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia, did that from 99 through 2011 and was a part of the, the layoffs like everybody has been, I think, at one time or another and then got later got joined on to MRN and then I've been with NBC since 2015 so entering just like NBC entering a ninth season with NBC covering it and this is my 25th season overall covering NASCAR
1: wow uh that's a it's a great background uh for sure and just uh some of the stuff you've seen over the years uh Dustin uh, on the the motorsports side and in your sports riding what's been kind of your your favorite events favorite moments that have come to mind over the years
0: well, just from a personal standpoint, I mean, one of my favorite events is just the Indianapolis 500 and just going to see that event. And, uh, I was back there this year, went and took my mom again. And, and, uh, uh, I think it was like her, her 18th Indy 500 was like my 14th. And, um, so I missed a number of years, but I've always enjoyed that experience. It's just, it's just an incredible experience to be around 330,000 people, uh, at an event. And, uh, just, it's, it, it is truly a spectacle and I would certainly encourage people who have not been there to certainly, you know, go to at least once because it is a it is a worthwhile endeavor. So that's, I feel fortunate to have covered that. I've been able to cover the NFL, been able to cover college basketball, NASCAR, um, just a bunch of other sports. Everything from, um, um, I would say, uh, chariot racing out in Idaho, high school rodeo in
2: Idaho. So <laughs> I've kind of seen it from I've seen a lot of different things. Man, that's so cool. I mean, if you had to just put a number on it, so just cup race weekends or NASCAR race weekends altogether, how many do you think you've covered in person? Uh, you know, I've never
0: even tried to figure it out, and I would almost be afraid to, but uh, I'm guessing I probably I, – I mean, I guess I probably average 25-plus cup races a year, you know, and this is my 25th season, so uh, a lot. <laughs> At
3: least 625.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, so somewhere in there. So I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a
3: lot. Yeah, Dustin, I got a question for you because I don't think Tyler and Dom haven't been to the Indy 500, but uh, I've been to two. You you mentioned yeah. you've been to quite a few. Um, I was thinking about going again uh, next year, but I, I was thinking I wanted to experience it as a fan. The two times I've been to it, I've been a reporter there, so I wanted to kind of uh, get your thoughts on. What it's like when you're there, just as a spectator to enjoy it as as a fan versus uh going there having a job to do is it um how how different is it, and just talk about your experiences going to that race?
0: I mean, it's very different. it's just it's just relaxing because it's like I'm not like looking for the next thing I'm not trying to track something down. It's just like, hey, it's just it's just kind of having fun. It's like for the most part, it's the one event a year I get to go as a fan for the most part. And uh, it's fun that I get to do with family. Um, you know, we we get parked. Uh, we got a place that we park at probably around 7, 730 in the morning. So five hours before the event. Uh, my mom lives an hour away. So, I mean, we're getting up at like 5 a.m. for a 1245 start. And then it's just... Um, you know, I was just kind of walking around, seeing the crowds, the spectacles. Uh, this year, I was fortunate enough to get uh, some passes through NBC to get um, on pit road and on the grid a little bit before, uh, probably about an hour or so before the race. And that's something my mom had never experienced. So she really enjoyed that. Um, and just seeing that, seeing the cars up close, seeing the spectacle, seeing that aspect of it that she hadn't seen. It was funny. We were walking around pit road and and I saw Kyle Larson's PR guy. And then I saw Larson and and, and, and you know, he kind of gave me a look of like, what are you doing here? And I think I kind of shot the same look back at him, uh, for a moment. And then we, we just kind of chatted briefly before he got pulled in another direction. And, and, uh, you know, I, I got introduced introduce him to my mom briefly and, and she was excited about meeting Kyle Larson. So that was something else that just kind of made her day. But again, it's just, it's, you know, when you're, when you're there as a reporter, you know, you're just, you're, you're constantly in work mode thinking you're trying to enjoy some of the things. There's no doubt you can, but as a fan, it's just like, I don't have any cares that day. And, um, it's just, um, it's just enjoying the day, enjoying it for what it is, enjoying the company you're with and, 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 and just relaxing. And so, you know, that's a nice relaxing thing. You guys talked about what you guys did in your off weekend, even with all the travel that I do and all the racing I cover this off weekend, I watched the IndyCar race from Road America. Um, <laughs> yeah. And 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 I was flipping a little bit. And then during uh, some breaks or whatever, when things were a little slower, flipped over just kind of check out the F1 race uh, in Canada since I had been able to go to the F1 race in, in Miami this year, which was my first F1 race. So oh, wow. uh, that was an interesting experience as well.
1: Tell us more about that. What was uh, F1 like? And how would you compare it to uh, some of the other motorsports you've seen?
0: Money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> i walked i walked around one day in the infield and, and um i walked into a champagne bar and it was packed and they had a dj and people were dancing and people are having a good time and it was just crazy scene um yeah. you know i've never seen a champagne bar at, at an car race or a nascar race or anywhere so that was interesting um they kind of had like the um I'll say gondolas but almost kind of like um ski lifts type of things but the enclosed ski lifts that that kind of went over part of the track so you got up to about 125 feet above above the ground and, and actually directly over portions of the track so i was up there during qualifying and cars were just zipping in underneath me um so it was an interesting experience you know they've got that fake marina um out in one of the turns and was able to get to go out there and walk around and see that uh, the the different yachts they have out there are basically like a hospitality suite um, and it was interesting as you could see how much they were loaded up with the various different types of adult drinks and stuff like that so those people in the uh, in the, in the yachts were having a good time as well. So it, w- it was just a very different experience. But again, that's that's fun part to see different things like that. To see what the experience is like in an F one race. See what the experience is like, you know, the NASCAR race and what people enjoy there. What it's like at the Indy five hundred. Um, you know, I got into Indianapolis early and and went over to IRP and got to see the Silver Crown race a couple of nights before and just went there as a fan and and just. You know there was the the hill and turn one at IRP and just kind of stood and watched the race from there so um you know it's just kind of a fun thing and and, and uh it's you know it, it's it's just different and but it's also enjoyable
2: we'd asked David this last week on the show one of the fan questions that got submitted was how you balance that work life and personal life and for you obviously being on the road a lot most weekends out of the year, how do you find that time to to shut off the reporter switch and enjoy that time at home when you get that opportunity? And how, and how does that balance look like for you? Uh, my wife would say not well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's
0: yes, there are times I can, I'm fortunate with my office, it's on the bottom floor of our our place. So if I'm really trying to get away, if I keep off the bottom floor, then I'm not at work. But for the most part, I mean, I think you guys know when you're at work, It's when you're at home, It's it's kind of sometimes hard to turn off um and so there's there's always stuff going on i mean you know today i think i was started working around i knew it was gonna be a late day i think i started working around nine which is a little bit later for me nine nine thirty and for the most part been working pretty much all day doing various things and and so um that's just part of it so it's i'm sure when i get done here i'll probably still kind of be thinking of some things as i kind of start to kind of tune things down and then tomorrow it's just going to be another busy day and move forward
1: What's a typical race weekend look like for you, Dustin, what's uh, your kind of the things you, you do your process and how much like content you put now what's what's all that look like each each one of these race weekends.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly try to get to there by the time the garage opens or before the garage opens uh, at the track. And um, basically, it's just trying to track things down in the garage, whether it's the Xfinity garage or Cup garage. And focus primarily on those two, since that's what we broadcast at NBC and USA Network. Um, you know, I know friends at, at Fox uh, do the uh, the truck series throughout the season and and we'll spend a little bit of time in there. But certainly the focus at, at this point of the year is, is going to be the Cup and the Xfinity side because that's what we're broadcasting um, and it's just writing whatever needs to be written, passing along notes to their broadcasters, talking to people in the garage um and just kind of hoofing it and just kind of you know seeing who's out there and and talking to them about different things and trying to catch up with what's the latest and and go from there so uh it's it's a lot of little things that kind of add up to those stories and and it's um, um you know it's not like you show up uh, an hour or two before the race and everything just kind of magically happens there's there's a lot of behind the scenes work that's involved in it and you guys know because you guys do it too so
1: oh yeah yeah absolutely uh we're joined by dustin long of uh, nbc sports here on let's go racing this week as uh, nbc takes over their coverage of the nascar cup and xfinity series beginning this week from nashville uh coming up on sunday night uh Dustin, uh, from what you've seen of the sport uh, from the time you've been covering, uh, what have been the the biggest changes you've seen uh, in the period of time you've seen from where the sport is now to where it was before? What kind of stands out to you in that stretch?
0: Well, unquestionably, it's safety. I mean, I was at the Daytona 500 the day Dale Earnhardt died. And, you know, I was covering the sport in 2000 when you had um, – the deaths and you know of uh, Adam Petty and and Kenny Irwin and um, you know it's just it just was it was, that was a very difficult time for the sport and to see every every loss of life is painful um, but to see the you know especially the 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 loss of Adam Petty's life and somebody that a lot of people look you know is a potential star of the sport and care and being that fourth generation member of the Petty family. And the deaths that followed later that season and in, in, in cup in the truck series and then to have what happened to Dale Earnhardt in the Daytona 500. I mean it was a very dark period for the sport and you know that was back when there were concrete walls. You know you go look at the in-car cameras shots of those cars um, you know back in 2000-2001 and you compare it to what the inside of the cars look like now and how the drivers in essence almost cocooned in and how they have the you know, their heads, heads surrounded where they really can't move around a whole lot and, and just all the safety harnesses and just what the cars have done and and just all the safety things that have been done. I mean, you know, even just the incident data recorders that record all the types of crashes. So it gives, you know, the NASCAR engineers things to study and, and ways to make the cars better um, and learning from each accident. And that was something that they didn't have for a number of years. Um, and, and just while they don't have that dedicated uh, safety team, like the IndyCar series does, you know, now they have, you know, a uh, doctor, nurse, uh, somebody that's in, in, one, in one of those chase cars and is out to the scene pretty quickly to help, um, the AMR medical crew and, 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 and safety workers in, in accidents and things like that. So just what has happened in the world of safety, uh, in the sport. And so, and again, there's, it's, it's always, there's always work to do as I think the, the people talk about it. it's, You know, it's not a destination, it's a journey. Obviously, there have been, you know, injuries here recently. Kurt Busch still hasn't been able to come back from his concussion. Alex Bowman out because of a concussion last year from a crash. Noah Gregson missed, uh, you know, a race here for concussion like symptoms. So there still is work to do and it's still work is being done. And, you know, I, I think one thing you look at is, you take that talladega crash with uh, ryan priest uh slamming into you know kyle larson essentially t-boning him you know i'm not sure 25 years ago both guys walk out of that car i uh, walk out of that accident and we saw how how damaged um uh, that the larson car was and the door bars being moved up and you know here what a few months later nascar's making changes that will be in place for the atlanta race to help stre- strengthen that area So it prevents the intrusion of those door door bars. So there isn't something like that that happens again that potentially could injure a driver. So I think if you just look at safety, I think that is unquestionably the the, the biggest thing over the the 25 years where I've seen in the sport.
2: And I think to add to that too, Tyler and and Dustin, you can certainly attest to this, covering the sport since 2014 on a regular basis, just seeing how much even more of a direction NASCAR has gone with transparency, i.e., penalties and safety things like we saw the the danny hamlin kyle bush pocono penalties and the parts were already on display i believe it was a week later and then most recently with chase briscoe or like even relating back to that kyle larson ryan priest crash at talladega some of that behind the scenes footage at the r&d center they were showing to replicate the crash would you agree with that dustin that the the sport has taken those steps in that right direction to be even more transparent than let's say even 10 years ago well, let me
0: tell tell you what it was like when I first started covering the sport in 1999. You know, now nowadays, the media, you know, we have access to the rule book online. And we can see what, you know, look at all the different rules and, and, and go from there. Back in 1999 and for a number of years after that, if I wanted to see the rule book, I had to get it. I had to get a copy of the rule book off of a team member um because it was not made available to the media and you had to kind of find a way to get a a rule book on your own so you had the access to it um now i've got a number of rule books from each of the different years from like 99 to i think the early mid 2000s and things like that but for the most part or some of those for a number of years we're getting them off team members until it could get some from nascar so that's a change you referenced the Chase Briscoe counterfeit part. I was out Sonoma when NASCAR put that on display for members of the media in the past. And as you referenced, you know, when there was a a violation years ago, it used to be, well, it was just put in the hauler or put on a table outside the hauler and you could see it, but nobody explained what it was. So if you didn't have the technical mindset or didn't understand what the part was, okay, I'm looking at this, but what does it mean? At Sonoma, um, you know, NASCAR, Uh, NASCAR's managing director of the series, Brad Moran, basically broke down and and explained to several of us what was the issue with the counterfeit part that was found on Chase Briscoe's car after the Coca-Cola 600 and and they showed how it did not fit this one part that they used to test to make sure this is the proper part, but also said, look, we knew that it wasn't because there were some differences from what the, the, the single source vendor part was but basically just kind of explained it and really kind of showed it in a way, in a, in a form of transparency that I had never seen in in 25 years of covering the sport. And that's great. Like I said, I, I think they in the years past, they might have kind of done a few things behind the scenes, but not as detailed and not out in the open as what they did at Sonoma. And that certainly seems to be the thing moving forward. And obviously, you know, the NASCAR officials, Elliot, uh, Elliot uh, Elton Sawyer, I'm sorry, said it, Uh, and serious and brad moran told us is like he kept using the word culture and they're trying to change the culture in the garage to you look you know these single source vendor parts you're not going to adjust them you're not you're not going to uh, modify them and so this idea you know it it used to be look it it ain't cheating uh, unless you get caught and i think in essence they're trying to get away from don't even think about cheating because you will get caught
1: That's fascinating. Uh, Great insights there from uh, Dustin Long, NBC Sports, joining us here on uh, Let's Go Racing this week. Uh, Let me ask you, uh, we mentioned with NBC taking over this next half of the schedule, what stands out to you about this schedule? We talk about changes, and the schedule's been one of the biggest changes over the last several years, Uh, even in particular in this stretch that NBC's been involved in the sport. uh, This right now, this schedule in 2023 – looks a whole lot different than it did when NBC <laughs> came back to sport uh, nine years ago. What what stands out to you about what's ahead? I, I know the Chicago street race is a big deal, but uh, there's some other things too.
0: Well, I, I, I'm going to start off with the Chicago street race, because like I said, it is a big deal for the sport. To, the first race on the streets of a city to do it in, in a major metropolitan like Chicago, a major television market, um, taking the race to the fans. And it's something I, th- I go back to. You know, I remember the first year of the Roval and and track house owner Justin Marks was a driver in that Xfinity race. And I think he finished top three because I think he came into the media center. And I remember asking him about the idea, of, well, they're racing at a Roval. Could they do this at a street course or some other type of, you know, form of racing, you know, essentially a street course with these type of cars? And he says, you know, Justin Marks said at the time, he says, the days of asking people to drive 500 miles to come to events. Are going to go away and you're going to have to bring the events to the people and he noted about how he had previously driven in a support series um at long beach or long beach grand prix and, and just talked about how big the crowds were and said look for the most part most of those people probably didn't know who was who but they were there and they were taking part in it and it was a, a it became an event and you know look still long beach is one of the the, the major events on the indycar schedule i think some people could argue that after the Indianapolis 500, Long Beach is probably the second biggest race on, on the IndyCar s- on schedule each year. So it, it's about doing that. So I think Chicago is huge for that and to see where that takes the sport and what, you know, does this open the doors to racing in another city? Um, you know, I think about, hey, let's throw out like a Philadelphia, you know, Xfinity is one, you know, is a sponsor and then they do the Xfinity series and they're one of the premier sponsors of the Cup series xfinity's based in philadelphia what if, if xfinity you know really kind of you know marshaled the troops together and and the city together and they saw what happened in chicago and says hey we can do this and we can do it bigger and better and let's say it happens let's say that and uh, that would get nascar into a big city another major television market and obviously philadelphia is served by dover but it's it's still one thing to ask a bunch of people to go from philadelphia to dover as opposed to here we're going to put it in philadelphia and just you know, you have to a shorter drive. Um, so so Chicago's interesting, and it's also interesting because just nobody knows what to expect. I mean, if you believe if you like the chaos theory, then who knows what could happen? I mean, is this the is this the weekend chase is, is, is Chicago the weekend Chase Elliott wins if he doesn't win this weekend at at Nashville? And so if he wins at Chicago, get gets him into the playoffs. Or is this the week is Chicago the weekend where there's chaos? And somebody running eighth wins because the top seven cars get you messed up, and, and and in one of the corners, and eighth place slips on through, and and you have a surprise winner or something like that. So Chicago to me is really fascinating. And again, that's I, I think the road courses are really interesting. I think they're, you know, I think you look at, uh, you know, Chicago. I'll look at Indianapolis, Watkins Glen. I don't know if it's as much of a wild card, but Indianapolis is because of that long straightaway into that right hand. During the turn one, we saw the chaos last year, and you know how much it it changed the order in the last last few laps on those late restarts. Uh, I think of that as a wild card race. Atlanta can be viewed as a wild card race because it's Super Speedway racing, and you obviously you've got the Daytona regular season fin, uh, race, uh, Super Speedway racing, and again we saw last year, you know when the rain came and the caution wasn't called in time, and 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 essentially two thirds of the field wrecked. And, and what do we see is Austin Dillon is running, what, 15, 16, just kind of slip on through past the, the wreckage, and he's in the lead and goes on to win the race, and that gets him in the playoffs. So, um, you know, again, you know, maybe the favorites win these races, but really Chicago, Indianapolis Road Course, Atlanta, and Daytona, I kind of look at those as four wildcard races. That's 40% of what's left in the regular season. And really could change the dynamics of what you see going into the into the playoffs with who's in, who's out or who has so many playoff points. So to me, those are the four races that really kind of stand. That's nothing to take away. Something crazy could happen at Pocono or New Hampshire or Michigan or Richmond. So, you know, again, it's it's I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And that's why we watch sports is to see what's going to be next
1: yeah for sure. and, and Dustin, I, I was thinking about this. one thing you brought up with the Chicago standpoint, I know that there's already question marks about the future of this race beyond this year with uh just how it works with the city of Chicago involved and in their you know their their local government and all this. But to me, one one point I've been telling Don, and I think I've had conversation with with John about this too that you kind of mentioned there. it's the concept, right? It's, hey, can we make this work in Chicago? and do this same thing in those other cities and, and test the concept it's not even necessarily i think personally about chicago itself but can a street race work and can you mobilize it to do this and other things uh i mean that's what to me what i'm looking at measure of the success is not even necessarily about chicago itself mm-hmm. but the concept if it's mobile to do this elsewhere well i,
0: I would take it a step further and with my experience at the F1 race this year in Miami, okay, that was around the Miami Dolphin Stadium. That was in a parking lot, and basically, almost every structure that was there was temporary. The only thing that was permanent were the garages and the and the and the suites above it. And the first year of the event, last this year was the second year. First year of the event, the only permanent structure was the garage area and then they made the suites above it a temporary structure and then for this year decided hey we need to make the suites a a permanent structure it's connected to the dolphin stadium so now the dolphins have this three-story building that is uh I, i don't know it's probably you know you know obviously long enough for for 20 plus uh f1 cars um they'll find but, use for it yeah well that's the thing is it's hospitality before dolphins games or concerts it's you know i don't know you could have like a, essentially a convention there uh type of thing oh you know, high-end uh stakes or entertaining things like that and that just kind of enhances the experience at a dolphins game or if there's a concert there or or something like that so i would throw this out uh, Meadowlands Complex, you want to get to New York City, you're not going to race in the streets of New York. NASCAR tried Staten Island in the past. It didn't work. Is, is why not Meadowlands Complex? You look at that footprint, there's a large enough space there. And obviously IndyCar raced there, uh, in the parking lot at the Meadowlands, I think from 84 to 91 or something like that, if I got my dates right. Um, and, 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 and I think, you know, if you, again, I love to spend other people's money, so it's easy for me to say this, but, you know, if the Meadowlands, you know, could build a structure that would be connected to the stadium, that would be like what the Dolphins have done, and use that for all sorts of hospitality, entertainment purposes for all the other events that they hold to there. Obviously, in 2026, they're going to host the World Cup. I know they were trying to bid to hold the World Cup finale. Would would a would a structure like that help enhance that opportunity to provide that for a space for high end people? um you know uh, vips and things like that for a major major sporting event like that and can you use it for other things and would that be something that hey you could use the you know build it in a such a way that you could use the bottom floor for garage stalls for the for cup cars or indie cars or you know obviously i'm sure they'd like to get new york city f1 um and maybe it could happen someday but obviously f1 is certainly entrenched which it's three races now with vegas coda and miami so I, I think of something like that. And, and again, you know, NASCAR is looking in a very different mindset. I mean, a few years ago, who would ever thought racing inside of a stadium at the L.A. Coliseum? So they're doing that. Who would have thought racing returning to North Wilkesboro? So they've done that. Um, why couldn't you? You know, again, there's there's a little there's other challenges with New York and obviously they have to want you. But why couldn't they race in, uh, in the parking lot of Meadowlands, and build it up? hey, maybe even put in a champagne bar somewhere in the infield there and and just have a good time and, and really kind of be an attractive event that draws people from New York City in, but also can draw fans in from all other who all other places who want to go and go to the race and then go spend some time in New York City, perhaps.
3: If I could add something to that, uh, I covered Formula E when they were racing in Brooklyn yeah. for two years. Um, they There was a lot of temporary buildings and a lot of blocked off roads and in um, if I re- if I remember correctly, I think they were using a cruise ship terminal as like the main building, like as uh, for the media center and all that stuff. Uh, It was it was the size of a warehouse. Um, so maybe maybe Red Hook, Brooklyn could be uh, it would be a tight F1 track, but uh, maybe that's a possibility as well. And I I'm sure you've been to other street races, Dustin. I've been to I've been to Saint Pete. I've been to Long Beach. Um.
0: So, I mean, you can attest to what Long Beach is like. I mean, now St. Pete has certainly picked up and it's, and it's, you know, I'd probably put it among the top IndyCar races, but still Long Beach is is probably the champ after Indianapolis.
3: I agree. Yeah, it's, and I find that no matter where you go for these street races, it, it, it feels a lot like a block party. You know, there's food trucks around, there's people, uh, you know, sipping big, tall, expensive IPAs and eating all sorts of cool food. And it's, it's fun. And, um and I've, I've been to two F1 races and yeah it's definitely like that kind of uh, that rich wealthy atmosphere. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been up to the to on top of the tower uh, but when you go up there during the F1 weekends they have a bartender up there uh, serving champagne and I just you know I'm, I'm working so I can't drink but I was just thinking I remember seeing that and I'm like as if people probably aren't dizzy enough standing on this uh this glass this glass uh, floor. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they, they, they offered that
1: the uh, the NASCAR weekend this year, too. Oh, did okay. they? Okay. Yeah, yeah they
3: well, they did it for uh, the, the, the F1 weekends I've been to, but they didn't do it for the uh, – when IndyCar was at Coda. they didn't do it there, and I don't think they did it that first weekend NASCAR was there in 20, uh, 2021.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we could go on and on about places where you could take this concept. I mean, heck, even this weekend in Nashville, I mean – that track's nice, but but Dustin, if we're going to be real and we talk about bringing the sport to the people, th- this track at Lebanon is a good 30, 35 minutes away from downtown Nashville. It's not close to the city, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, as much as I like the track, I mean, we've seen IndyCar has pulled off a very successful uh, race of their own in the uh, streets of Nashville, and there's plenty of space out there, and they're about to build a brand-new football stadium there.
0: Well, I think NASCAR's next move with Nashville will be uh, looking at is obviously racing at the Fairgrounds Speedway someday if right. they can get everything done there. And obviously, the next step on that is that the the Metro Council, essentially the Nashville City Council, has to address it. And I think they start to address it uh, next month, and it's got to go through three readings and, and get approvals, and then go from a couple other levels after that. Um, but if it gets through that and gets through the different levels and and gets and and gets done then you'll be able to see where bristol motor speedway speedway motorsports will be able to start to put together things and do some work on that track and obviously there's a lot of work there i mean i think even if everything got approved at uh this this summer or this fall you're probably still looking at maybe a couple years before it it would be on the schedule Uh, you know there's not enough time for next year so you're probably looking at 25 at the earliest maybe 26 depending on how the process goes and obviously it's taken it took a long time to get through the fair board council and go through that process so there's no guarantee it'll be through quickly but I, you know in best case scenario you know maybe they can be racing there at the fairground speedway in, in 25 with the you know the the renovated facility and the upgrades there and and um just kind of a a really cool atmosphere a really cool concept and you know maybe that's a great place to host an all-star race in the future
1: yeah, maybe so. Uh, of course, it's right next to the uh, uh, new soccer facility that's over there, too, and uh, right in a, a good part of town there. So we'll see. Uh, news and notes, time. Dominic Argonne standing by with the latest happenings in uh, the world of NASCAR and the rest of motorsports. Tom, where are we starting this week?
2: By the time you're listening to this podcast on your Wednesday evening, you might have already seen the news that everybody's expecting and has expected the last couple of months with the signing of Josh Berry at Stuart Haas Racing. So at the time of the recording of this podcast, Stuart Haas Racing has a big announcement scheduled for earlier Wednesday, about 1 o'clock Eastern. Some sort of major announcement, Jordan Bianchi of The Athletic is already reporting it's a done deal that Josh Berry will be the driver to replace Kevin Harvick at Stuart Haas Racing. Josh Berry, the super sub role driver who races full-time for Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, has run nine cup races this season with three top 10 finishes, including a runner-up finish, at Richmond when he was filling in for Chase Elliott. So Tyler looking like a done deal, we know who's going to be replacing Kevin Harvick. Uh
1: Dustin, what's uh what's your reaction? This seems to be a uh really great choice for us uh, for Stewart-Haas Racing, right? Look,
0: it's I think back with uh, with Josh Berry, I think back to the 2015 Xfinity race at Richmond and it was his third career start. And he finished seventh that night. And I want to say, I think Chase Elliott won for Junior Motorsports because Dale Jr. was in the media center after the race. And Dale talked as much or more about Josh than he did about Chase that night. And basically, it was it was like he was all but pleading for a company to get aligned with Josh Berry. And because and, he was saying, this guy is good. This guy's got the goods. This is a guy that can do a lot of good things. Now, at the time, Josh was running the late model program at, at Junior Motorsports, and like I said, this was only his third Xfinity start. It was 2015. It was September of that year. It was only Xfinity start of the season, and it was basically they had an open seat for a race. Dale Jr. wanted to give Josh an opportunity, and gave him that opportunity. But it wasn't until you know several years later that that Josh got the opportunity really to kind of run on semi-regular basis. I want to say it was what, uh, 2020 um, 2020 was in 2021 when he ran 12 scheduled race, 12 races um, until Sam Mayer turned 18 and then Sam Mayer took over the ride. But then that was the year where uh, Josh won at uh, Martinsville his sixth start of the year had success. It started building into some other rides then it led to a full-time season in, in 2022, wins three races, finishes fourth in the points back at this season for junior motorsports. And, you know, certainly looking toward an opportunity to cup. And, and, and as you noted, uh, just how much, you know, look, if, if Hendrick Motorsports is going to put you in one of their cars as a substitute driver, I think that says a lot, not only about you, but I think it says a lot to, to everybody else in the sport about what they think of you um when they could have put somebody else in potentially so you know with the races he ran with chase the races he ran for alex bowman when he was out and so yes it's it's it is a i guess i'm not gonna say rags to riches type of story but it's a it's it's, it's a maybe perseverance of somebody who worked really hard and uh, and certainly had a key backer supporter in dale earnhardt jr who, who gave him opportunities when he could um, but still when Josh had the opportunity to be able to take advantage of it with like that Martinsville win a couple of years back, and that really kind of started things going on this path of really kind of raising his career and moving it up to another level.
1: John, the uh, the Josh Berry story, uh, this is one of the best stories I think we've seen in the sport in a long time. What say you? It's a good story. I
3: I think there's been a couple of stories over the last couple of years about drivers who maybe don't get that pristine opportunity right away, you know, when they're like in their early 20s. I think of someone like Ryan Priest, he's in his first season with Stuart Haas, and um, I would even say someone maybe like uh, like Daniel Hemrick or like Austin Hill. Uh, these guys, you know, Hemrick, he kind of earned his ride in the Cup Series on merit, and, you know, he, he came back to Xfinity, and he, he finally got his win. He finally got his championship, and I think you look at someone maybe like Austin Hill, who's, uh, you know, he was kind of like Hamrick. He was in some lesser funded truck rides, and he made the best of it. And then he got his chance to go with RCR. Um, it's always good to see stories like that for sure. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, er is a good choice. It's going to be interesting to see what Stuart Haas's driver lineup is next year. I know there's been whispers about McDowell potentially going there and uh, who knows if Almirola is going to retire? So uh, definitely going to be keeping, keeping keeping an eye out for uh, silly season updates uh, with SHR
1: this year. Now I'm uh, you know Stuart Haas losing Kevin Harvick here, the most successful driver in the uh, history of their organization. Um, you know because obviously he drove there longer than, than Tony Stewart did. Um, you know that's a big deal. Josh Berry with some big shoes to feel to fill um but what do you think is the realistic expectation what what do you think we're going to see out of Josh Berry in that number 4 car
2: well i think we're going to expect to see Josh Berry step up and take that veteran role and maybe not necessarily the face of Stewart-Haas Racing but certainly somebody that they're going to be expecting to rattle off top 10 finishes like we saw with Hendrick Motorsports now realistic and actually following through on it we'll have to wait and see in 2024 but I don't think it's out of the question to think Josh Berry is going to be running inside the top 10, the top 15, a lot. And what would probably – he will be eligible for Rookie of the Year in 2024. This would be one heck of a rookie campaign, Tyler, in that four car. And wouldn't be surprised if we see Josh in contention for a win or two. But, again, it's hard to say. But with him actually having the next-gen experience – and I mean, I look at Ty Gibbs last year. He got to fill in with 2311. He had some good runs. And that's tra- translated to some success this year with Joe Gibbs Racing. But him actually – getting to, to run with Hendrick Motorsports this year, Josh Berry, that is, and being able to run top 10 more often than not. I mean, I think that veteran experience is going to come out in that four car next year, and we see Josh Berry do quite well on that ride. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think we will. Uh, I think he, he's he got a chance to contend for a playoff spot uh, next year, as far as that goes. Don, what else
2: going on? More NASCAR news out of the ownership role. Joe Gibbs Racing actually selling off a minority stake in the team. Joe Gibbs Racing announced on Tuesday, Jan- June 20th, rather, that they have sold off a minority stake, a significant investment for their press release to the Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment and yeah. Arcto's partners. So the team's going to remain the same, but th- these, this, this partnership with Swartz Tyler is going to help the team with, with branding and try to help with marketing. And, and we saw the team lose Kyle Busch last year. So you got to figure this is trying to help not only fill that void that Bush left, but to help set up the team down the line in the future.
1: Dustin, uh these type of things uh we typically see a lot in other sports. Uh to my knowledge, not a whole lot of this uh within the NASCAR world for the most part. But uh what, what do you think of this this setup and what, what JGR is doing here?
0: I mean, it's it's it strengthens Joe Gibbs racing and it gives them it gives them a wider platform because look, if if you know, part of what makes them go is they have to be successful because if they aren't that goes then then what's what what are you buying when you get with Joe Gibbs Racing and again obviously you want to be successful if you're with Team Penske and Roger Penske but if you're doing something with Team Penske there's a good chance like a Shell Penzoil, that you know now you've got a tie in to you know the Penske truck rentals or all the Penske automobiles and and so there's a, that business aspect that Roger has that he can help leverage sponsorship and to help with his companies, but also to leverage that sponsorship for his race cars. That's something Joe Gibbs Racing didn't have, that they had to run well to attract that sponsorship. And if they didn't run as well, it made it a little bit more difficult to get the sponsorship dollars that they needed to keep the drivers and to pay them, get the best drivers, get the best crew chiefs, get the best people uh, as possible to make the cars go as well as possible. And it's just, you know, like Dom talked about, it's just, Hey, look, Kyle Busch, you know, they, they, they you know, two-time champion, future hall of famer. Um, look uh, in the last 25 years, who would you put above him? Jimmy Johnson, maybe Tony Stewart. Uh, I guess that would have been the latter part of Jeff Gordon's career but, I mean, you know, if I'm thinking about a Mount Rushmore of the last 25 years, I'm thinking Kyle Busch is on it, and that's a guy that got away from Joe Gibbs Racing. doesn't mean that even with this, even with this, uh, this, this partnership, that doesn't happen. Some You never know in, in sports, but uh, I think it helps strengthen this organization, and that's something that they need because, you know, I think of like a, a Chip Ganassi Racing. And, again, Chip does great stuff in, in IMSA and in IndyCar. But it just never quite worked as well as he hoped in NASCAR. And look, one of the things he could do is he could leverage it across his different race teams, and that helped. But the business aspect, I I think kind kind of fell back because, you know, Roger Penske could leverage sponsors with his business. Rick Hendrick can leverage sponsors with all his car dealerships, and I think things like that. And I think as the sport gets bigger... Um, and, and you have the value of the charter. I think it, it has the potential to bring in more investors down the road and just kind of raise the level of everybody.
1: Yeah. And you've seen that be a big part of Trackhouse's early success already, uh, or 2311 with Michael Jordan's uh business connections as well with their early success. So that's a great point. Uh it is a business at the end of the day. John, uh, you look at that Stuart Haas program, they get this investment now, and I know they lost Kyle Busch, but there's some big decisions ahead in their future when you talk about Martin Truex Jr. getting older, Denny Hamlin, some of these guys here. Uh, there, there could be a lot of change in the very near future there at that organization. Yeah, Joe Gibbs Racing.
3: I think you said Stuart Haas. Um, oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Joe Gibbs Racing. Um I I don't see why they can't have the same driver lineup, crew chief lineup as next year. Uh, I think Truex winning, I mean, it, it's been a weird season where at, at first it kind of seemed like William Byron would be the top guy and then maybe Kyle Busch. And now we're kind of looking at Martin Truex, who's won two races in the last month. Um, if he keeps winning, it's why would you step away, you know? Um, if you're successful and you're having fun, then keep doing it. And... Yeah, I think uh, Joe Gibbs Racing—they're in a good place for sure. Um, and I also—I I also saw this afternoon uh, Adam Stern reported that um, Heather Gibbs is also going to is also taking involvement in the uh, the ownership aspect as well for the race team. So it's good to see uh, the family still uh, staying super involved with with the organization.
1: Yeah, no
2: doubt, no doubt about it.
1: Uh, Dominic. Uh... Justin Marks uh, making some uh, moves there. We're going to see him back in a race car.
2: Well, didn't this guy say he was going to retire at the end of 2018? He ran the Charlotte Road Race. He ran the Daytona 500. Oh, I'm going to retire. And then he keeps coming back. He even said, Tyler, this week that he has a hard time at 41 years old to step completely away from the race car. But Justin Marks will be taking it to the streets. That is the Chicago Street Road course in a couple of weeks in the colleague number 10 all-star car of some sorts in the Xfinity Series. Justin Marks will be making that race with sponsorship from Jockey. you got to imagine that's leveraged from the track house racing deal and having that sponsorship with Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. But, I mean, not, not to knock on him or anything like that, but, Tyler, we're talking a guy that has won in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. All joking aside, he has won in Xfinity. He has placed in the top ten plenty of times, had that partnership with Chip Ganassi Racing. We really got to see him wheel behind at the left and right turn courses, as well as some of the traditional oval tracks. So good call here to put Justin Marks in that number 10 car. We've seen so many drivers shuffle in that revolving door. I think personally, great hire for that that one-off deal.
1: Dustin, uh, you, you look at this, uh, Justin Marks, uh, good opportunity to get some feedback for uh, that colleague team and uh, for his own team uh, for that cup race the next day here.
0: Yeah, and he's been doing some racing. He does some Trans Am stuff from uh, time to time. So he's running road courses or street courses, and 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 so it's not like he hasn't been racing in a while. Not like he's racing every weekend either. But he's still been doing some racing. But you know, it's a it's good synergy between track house and colleague racing. Track house racing provides the pit crews for colleagues racing's teams. and so that further strengthens the bonds between the between the two organizations and kind of work together and help each other out. So yeah, a great opportunity for Justin, and it's a, you know, look, it's a, you know, for the Chicago street course race, I think a lot of people want to be there for the first time, and, and, um, you know, it's, it, it it's a unique event, and, uh, you know, if I had the opportunity, yes, if I was a driver, I'd wanted to be there for the first one.
1: Yeah, and uh, John, you look at that weekend, uh, you got Jimmy Johnson is uh, going to attempt on the cup side, Justin, Justin Marks, on the xfinity side here uh pretty cool to see some of these uh these names uh this big event attracting some of the uh names we typically don't talk about every week i think jensen buttons uh attempting to race as well i think on the
3: cup side if i remember yeah correctly. Yep. Yeah. yeah um i'm all for it I-, I love seeing the intertwining of drivers from various disciplines um i, I don't know about you guys i i was watching Lamar watching that nascar the to- Stock the Hendrick Motorsports highly modified stock car. I had fun watching that. Um, I'm all for uh drivers trying different motorsport disciplines, even if it's even if they're not necessarily out there to compete. You know, no one's expecting Jensen Button to go out there and run a top five, I would say, but I still say it's fun to know that they're in the field no matter what.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that'll be uh both uh Button and uh Jimmy Johnson's first race back since the uh 24 hours. So uh, it would be cool to see on, on that front uh, as far as that goes. Dominic, uh, looking ahead to this weekend at uh, Nashville here, driver's first race back after the uh, week off. What are the odds stack up, at?
2: Well, it's the third installment of the Nashville Super Speedway race, the Ally 400. And Henrik Motorsports has been undefeated in the last two races, batting 1,000 in the first couple of races. And the odds entering this weekend tend to favor that as well. Kyle Larson, your first winner at Nashville in 2021 he's sitting at 5.5 to 1 you have chase elliott last year's winner 8.5 to 1 some of the other favorites multi-winners across the year martin truex and kyle bush both at 7.5 to 1 and fellow hendrick motorsports driver william byron at 8.5 to 1 and some of the other notables throughout the field joy logano 18 to 1 kevin harvick 20 to 1 daniel suarez who gets a lot of the nashville sponsorship and attention out there sitting at 40 to 1 dollar
1: yeah uh John we'll start with you uh who do you like this uh this week there at uh at Nashville who do you think gets the job done
3: yeah it's tough I would say uh Hendrick's obviously been real strong there I'm gonna stick with the hot hand I I say
1: Truex I think he's gonna get it done how about you uh Dustin if you had to pick one name uh who's your your favorite this weekend
0: well, he's had such an up and down season, you never know what it's going to be. But uh I'm looking at Kyle Larson. Uh you know, I look he I think he probably had the second or third best card Sonoma. So maybe he's a little bit more on that uptick where he's got, you know, he's running typically top five, or he's been finishing 30th because he's been caught in, in accidents or other ins- issues. So uh I I'm I'm seeing thinking that his season's gonna start to balance out at some point. It can't just yo yo as much as it has this season. So, uh, you know, I'll look for him to win for the second time in three years at Nashville.
2: Okay. How about you, Dominic? I second that, Tyler. Dustin took my pick. I think Kyle Larson gets it done, gets the win at Nashville, keeps that Hendrick Motorsports 1,000 batting average at Nashville Super Speedway.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that's won here before, uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, No smashing guitars this time in victory lane, I I don't think, but... Uh, Kyle Bush has run good everywhere this year, all s- different types of tracks tied for the uh, most wins on the, uh, the, the cup side this year. Look out uh, Kyle Busch uh, is who I'll go with this week. Our final segment before we go, uh, we do our mailbag segment to end the show where you guys send us questions and we uh we answer whatever you guys have uh, in the inbox. You can reach out to us, DavidStarPodcast@gmail.com. gmail.com. Also on Facebook at Star and on Twitter at Star Podcasts as well, where's, where you guys can submit your questions. Uh, Dustin, the uh, first question in the mailbag this week is for you, and it is, how much on air will we see you with NBC this year during the season, uh, during the week, and at the races? How much are we going to see you on uh, NBC's uh, TV platforms here?
0: Well, most of my time I'm spent writing, so probably not a whole lot of TV time, although we certainly do have our Motor Mouse videos that uh, uh, run during the week and you can find on our NBC Sport Motorsports uh, YouTube page, and also at our site, NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. And we usually have three different people on it, so I'm on from time to time. So I think I've got one coming up in a couple weeks. I've done a number here uh, so far in the first part of the season, so... You'll see me a little bit, not much on the broadcast side. I always tell people, if you see me on on the TV side, uh, something bad's happened and nobody else is around to tell it. So I don't know if you want to see me on TV.
1: (laughs) I don't know about that, Tom. Uh, Dustin, he's well-spoken, knows his stuff. I'd love to see more Dustin on TV.
2: Oh, I think so, too, Dustin, do, doing like a dual role there, Media Center, and then you have to run out to Pit Road and do a Pit Road Report, too, and then come back and do your stories. I think it'd be a fun kind of balancing act, at least, at least for me to watch, man. that would be really cool. B- B- Why
1: not, Dustin?
2: <laughs> yeah, be
1: NBC's Bob Pocker, sir. There
0: we go. <laughs> we've got a lot of great people at NBC, so I wouldn't have to do anything with our Pit Reporters because we've got a number of great ones with Marty Snyder. Dave Burns, Kim Coon, Parker Kligerman, and they do a great job of covering the the, the garage and also what's happening on pit road. So I'll let that I'll let them handle that, and I'll help them whatever way they need.
1: Okay. Uh, next question comes from Carrie. Carrie wants to know, Dustin, what is your best Dale Junior story, and who is your favorite coworker at NBC?
0: Oh, the best Dale Junior story, like the time he broke my uh, ankle please explain (laughs) uh we were at Pocono and I want to say this was 2014 2013 I think it's 2014 I think it was and um I was talking to him after qualifying and we were walking and talking as we were going and they were moving all the cars from pit road to the garage so they could get ready for the Xfinity race and just a lot of traffic of cars and people and so we cut through the cup garage at Pocono And we walked over the inspection bay. And as I'm talking to him, you know, I'm looking at him to address him as opposed to looking where I'm going. And inspection bay, with the way that they used to have it, um, they rolled the cars up. But there was one spot in the middle where it was like a foot and a half drop. Well, I didn't see it. And I went down hard. And the thing is, the next thing I know is I'm like, why is everybody looking down at me? And why does Dale Jr. have this horrified look on his face? And so everybody kind of picks me up and I could, I truly could feel my left ankle ballooning up. I could just feel it like, like it somebody, like it was like a you're pumping up a tire. I could just feel it getting larger and larger. And I was thinking, great, this is a high ankle sprain. Everybody says it's better to break your ankle than to have a high ankle sprain because it takes longer to recover from. them. like, this is going to stink. So they got us off to the got got me off to the side and I was able to lean up against a wall and continue my interview with Dale Jr which with as it turned out a broken ankle. Yep. And at one point I could hear behind me some safety crew guy came up, a medic and said, "Who got hurt? Who got hurt?" and they and some, I could hear somebody say, "It's that guy." And I'm thinking, "If you interrupt this interview I'm having with Dale Jr right now, I'm not the only one who is going to be hurt. And uh, so they they let it go. And then the 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 pain was really starting to throb and the ankle is really starting to get big. And I kind of, I got what I needed from Dale. So finished up the interview, then he walked off and they came to me and they said, hey, here's a chair, why don't you sit down? I said, okay. He said, hey, there's a golf cart uh, 10 yards away. Can you walk over to it? I said, yeah, no problem. I get up, take one step. And I said, no, I cannot make it there and uh so uh they took me over there and then uh, went to the infield care center then had to go off to a, a medical clinic o- outside the track and uh, was there the next day with crutches working for mrn and working the garage and everything and continued to work um the following weekends um uh, while on crutches eventually got a boot um and everything but i did take while i was in the the waiting room at the at the uh medical clinic that was uh, a few miles away i I, while i was waiting for a doctor i did take a picture of my ballooned up ankle and post it on twitter as brad keselowski had done when he broke his ankle at um at road atlanta and then went on to win at pocono like a few days later And I was told uh, um, Junior was having dinner with some people and was talking about it. And then when they saw the picture, Junior's like, oh, no, because he, you know, really felt bad about me getting hurt like that. So uh, it's all water under the bridge. And uh, he was really good about it, nice about it. Uh, You know, I I enjoy everybody because it's, uh, you know, I learned so much from from all of our people um, that I, I don't have a favorite. I mean, you know, I enjoy talking with Dale. Dale Earnhardt Jr. I enjoy talking with Dale Jarrett. Steve Letart teaches me different things from a crew chief perspective. Jeff Burton, well, I mean, you know, Jeff Burton knows so much about so many different things that he's a good resource to use. Uh, Even Rick Allen in talking with him and, and and sharing stories and and learning things from him. So all our people are great. Uh, Kyle Petty I've, I've done a book with in the past. So certainly I've had a relationship with him for a long time. Um, so you know, they're all great people, and and we're just all fired up, ready to get going here for, for Nashville and Chicago.
2: Awesome, yeah, Tyler. I gotta say, I do remember when Dustin tweeted that out. I remember that that photo came to mind, he's describing the story. And just, man, as somebody who has sprained an ankle a couple of times, I, I can somewhat relate Dustin, but man, what a what what a picture, too. And you know, just fair warning for anybody that's watching on the YouTube or it's not a- pretty. It's not pretty, but he I think did Don was
3: kind of showing it through on the camera lens. I would show it again.
2: Oh yeah, okay. So in, in, here's here's your fair <laughs> warning. If you want to turn away right now, if you're watching this, here's your time to, to turn away. So here, let's see. <laughs> I right there.
3: Yeah. Oh man. Oh. oh.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's the there's the ankle. There's yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Bad uh that that's quite quite the story there uh i was not expecting that uh I'm glad everything uh worked out for you dustin uh as far as that goes uh one more question we'll uh we'll end on this uh dustin this one's from joseph joseph wants to know when you hear back home again in indiana at the indy 500 or anywhere how emotional is that as someone from the hoosier state
0: uh it's very emotional um just the whole pre-race ceremonies can be quite emotional at Indianapolis and John knows since he's been there, but I, I, you know, one of the things that really gets me is when they do uh, the 21 gun salute and they do taps, obviously it's Memorial day weekend and thinking about those who've lost their lives to ensure our freedoms and to think about you're in a a racetrack with 325, 330,000 people. And at the moment of taps, how quiet it gets um uh, for such a large crowd is such an amazing moment um yes from a personal standpoint back home again in Indiana is always special uh it's great my mom's next to me singing along to it and, and it's just you know it, it's gotten to the point now I'm used to Jim Cornelius and doing doing it uh obviously grew up with with uh uh John was it neighbor yeah um, Jim
1: neighbors yeah Jim
0: neighbors I was I was saying John Jim neighbors uh, Jim Neighbors singing it, and so that was always that was a little bit of an adjustment after Jim last did it, and then they moved on and 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 had that uh, and had others do it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's a very special moment. I mean, the way I look at the Indianapolis 500s, being an Indiana resident, is, is like it's our race that we invite the world to, and just try to show who's your hospitality, and um, so it, it we try to be as welcoming to to everybody, and just like hey, come and enjoy this event, and yes to be back home in indiana is always a special time
3: that's right tyler and dom if you guys you guys have to go to an indy 500 because everything dustin just said uh is completely true um but personally my favorite part of the entire indy 500 weekend is like that where it's just dead silent and you just see like that ocean of humanity across the grandstands and you hear taps and you got the 21 guns saluted like i'm getting chills just thinking about it right now and i Standing on the grid while that's happening, there's just not nothing else like it on Earth. Um, definitely try to get to an Indy 500 at some
1: point in your life, guys. Definitely, we'd love to go. Yeah. I, I think I got to find a way to go next year. Uh, make that happen. Go for the first time. We'll go together, Charlie. Hey, I'm down. You guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll make it happen. Uh, <laughs> as we uh, we wrap up here, uh, before we go, Dustin, real quick. Uh, Plug away where people can find you and follow you. And what's uh, your weekend look like in uh, in Nashville when uh, when you head out there? And what's uh, what's the track coverage going to be like uh, there from uh, the, the track? I'll
0: head out on Friday morning, fly out there. But uh, yeah, certainly could follow us on NBCSports.com slash NASCAR for, for NASCAR news and, and, and what's happening at the track for the Xfinity Series, Cup Series, also Truck Series. Uh, obviously we've got, uh, we're back broadcasting and we'll have broadcast, uh, coverage on USA network and also, uh, the cup race on Sunday night, 7 PM Eastern time. So prime time racing, uh, for the cup series on Sunday on NBC, you know, one of the things that we're doing is we've got, uh, we're doing a post-race show for each of our 20 races. And so, you know, shortly after the green flag drops, I mean, the, the checkered flag drops, um, you know, we'll have the post post race show on on Peacock. Now there'll be sometimes the race may end soon up. We'll be able to continue on with the the post race show um, on NBC or USA for a time, but it'll still be simulcast on Peacock. So once that race uh, checker flag drops, we'll be going. We'll have the simulcast pickup on Peacock. I know Peacock. Peacock will do, uh, we'll simulcast three races, the first one being the Chicago Street Course Race. So, our first two races start off on NBC with Nashville and then Chicago, the Cup Race. So, on NBC and also on Peacock. Uh, Chicago will be fun. We've got, uh, was it two drones for Chicago, not just one? We've got a uh, helicopter also providing all these overhead shots. And we were going to be doing a radio style for the Xfinity and for the Cup Race. So, we'll have Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Burton, and MRN, uh, Sirius XM uh, radios, uh, Mike Bagley calling the course radio style, along with having Rick Allen, Steve Letarte in the booth. So uh, looking forward to a, a lot of fun things there. That And, uh, again, the coverage will be on NBC and USA for the Xfinity and the Cup Series throughout the season, post-race shows on Peacock and coverage on NBCSports.com.
1: Awesome. That's, uh, that's great. And I'll tell you what,
0: one other thing I'll say is since we're doing a podcast, I will certainly plug my uh, colleague's podcast, Nate Ryan, with the NASCAR and NBC podcast. And he does one each week. A really cool concept this week is he sat down with, uh, was it Steve Littart, uh Jeff Glock, Mike Ford of NASCAR, and uh, I think it was those three, I can't remember if somebody else, and basically had a roundtable and really discussed a lot of different issues in the sport. And uh, kind of getting hearing from some different perspectives, so uh, that'll be coming out here this week. And, and and again, you know, while listening here to this podcast, make sure to also listen to the yes. uh, the NASCAR and NBC podcast because uh, Nate does a great job and and usually does stuff with uh, some of our talent each week and really kind of breaks down the the weekend, the race, and looks ahead at, at things. So uh, he's been doing that for a long time, and, and it's a really good listen.
1: Awesome uh definitely so check all that out check out Dustin's work as well uh for more this weekend in Nashville I'll be out in Nashville as well uh with uh, some updates throughout the weekend gonna be a lot of fun I'll be there and also be in Chicago next week as well uh John uh what's going on with you uh this week man you're uh gonna enjoy another week uh in uh sunny Phoenix before uh joining us in Chicago right
3: yeah I uh I'm starting to get that itch again I the last race i Covered, I guess, was Phoenix. So it's, it's been a couple of months for me. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to Chicago. I've I've been through Illinois. I've never actually been in Chicago. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, I, I want to see a game at Wrigley Field. I'm a big baseball guy. Um, you know, my, my mom is actually going to fly out to uh, Chicago as well from New York. And she was talking about how she wants to do maybe a ferry ride on Lake Michigan. So, um, you know, I'll be there to go to the races, but I'm also there to just kind of Soak in the city as well, take it all in, as they say. Dominic,
2: yep. uh, what's going on with you? Well, I won't be at the racetrack this weekend in Nashville or next week in Chicago, but I'm happy to be back at the track in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. So that's when I'll make my return. Like you, John, it's been a while since I've covered something in person, but looking forward to getting that second half of the season started. But yeah, I'll be spending that home at home in New Mexico this weekend, spending with my wife Elise and my son Christopher. It's going to be a good weekend, nice weekend to relax at home. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Uh, Dustin, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for uh, joining us, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you here uh, this weekend in Nashville, man.
0: Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Really enjoyed it, and hope you have a great weekend. Look forward to seeing all you guys at the track down the road.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Dustin Dustin Long joining us. That will do it for this week's edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll put the checkered flag out on this episode. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube uh also make sure to hit that like button leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all and uh you can also follow us on social media at uh, star podcast on twitter and facebook and uh, hit us up in the email inbox david star at gmail.com for uh, Dominic Cargon uh john haverland david star and dustin long i'm glad we not think so long it's been another edition of let's go racing we'll see you next week